Hello, everybody. It's Thursday, January the 19th, 2017, and you're listening to the Talking Games Podcast. I'm Bobby Shortall. I'm here with Justin Townsend. Hello. Hugh Perry. Hello. And Kelsey Lavati. Hi. How are we all doing, everybody? Hugh, how's it going, man? I am good. I managed to get a Seinfeld reference into the early section of this podcast, so everything's groovy. You, ju- I'm very familiar with Seinfeld, and now that you say it, I know what you mean, but I don't think, unless you had said that, anyone would have gotten it. So that's a good. Yeah. That's always the best references, the ones you have to explain. My are. favorite references are the ones that you actually announce afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I usually announce when I make a Star Wars reference, and pretty much most people on the planet get Star Wars references, so it's true. that's just how I do. It's true. It's just how you do. You're a very subtle man. And Kelsey mm-hmm. sounds like a human again. Yeah. Yes, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Kelsey, how long did you have that cold? Uh, a month, about. <laughs> right at the end of 2016. Had to go out with a bang. Yep. <laughs> you can tell your grandchildren about it, and you'd be like, that was the great cold of 2016 slash 17. That was horrible. Ke- the other day, Kelsey tweeted about a movie, mm-hmm. and she abbreviated the movie, and the movie <laughs> had uh, like 13 words in it, so it was, <laughs> it took me, I looked at it, I was like, well, I don't know what the hell that is, and I stopped, I like, I like walked away, and then I opened Twitter, and it was like one of the last things I looked at, so it came up again, and I was like, what? What the hell is it talking about? I haven't seen the movie, and I figured out what it was. Yeah, and then I put it, again. I scrolled up to where I think I kind of, and then like my mind apparently was working on it in the background because I was like, "It's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them." Yeah, but it took a really long time for me to realize that that's what you were talking about, Kelsey. I, I have like Harry Potter is my livelihood, <laughs> and I have so many feelings about it, and. Um, when I came out of the movie, I wanted to talk about it so badly, but I knew that no one watched it, so I felt like a month later was enough time for me to complain. Isn't it much longer than a month later? Yeah. Didn't that movie come out like four months ago? November no. that movie came out. Really? Yeah. yeah. Middle, middle of November. And then I had a cold, so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so she couldn't speak for because of the cold. Um, so yeah, the, uh, we have some cool stuff to go over today. We are going to be kind of following up our best of 2016 show with just a, a kind of a wrap up on the year going over our favorite moments from games what, what we thought was the best looking game stuff like that no debates just our own personal sort of feelings about this and that uh and we're also going to talk about the nintendo switch which got all of its fully revealed release date price all that kind of stuff uh, the, uh about a week ago since we we're recording this right now um, we'll start out with that i think because uh that's sort of more a timely news sort of thing uh, so they did an announcement from from Japan. Um, they announced price and a release date. It's two hundred eighty nine dollars US, uh, coming out on March third everywhere, I believe. Yes, um, and it's going to launch uh, with Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, which will coming out concurrently on Wii U at the same time. Uh, we know that the tablet is a seven twenty p screen. Uh, it can last anywhere between two and a half and six hours off off charge, depending on the game. Uh, something big like Zelda, they said probably about three hours off of charge. 
the only saving grace there is that you can now charge the thing via USB. Nintendo's never allowed that before in any of their devices. So you can choose a, you know, one of those cell- portable cell phone battery packs and charge your thing uh, as you go if you need to do it like that. Um, it's a touchscreen. It's a capacitive touchscreen, so it's multi-touch. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot of what the kind of big details were. About the actual hardware itself. Yeah. Oh, and the controllers are super motion controllers. Like, they have a lot of motion control stuff in them, which I wasn't really expecting. And also HD rumble. HD rumble. Yeah. You can feel ice cubes Haptic. falling into... Haptic feedback, I believe they call it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're calling it HD rumble. Yeah. Because but it makes sense. It's like a haptic feedback. Oh, it definitely is. But Nintendo is calling it HD Rumble because they yeah. have to have some other name for it. Of course. Um, <laughs> but it's basically a, a more kind of advanced Rumble feature where you can feel like individual things happening and there's sort of a weight and feel to the controller that doesn't exist in, let's say, a DualShock 4. Yeah. Um, and supposedly it works really well. Supposedly it does. So uh, there's a lot of different things that are going on here with this thing there obviously there's a lot of talk about the price sort of the the games that have been announced or not announced stuff like that um justin uh how did you feel about the announcement and sort of the looking ahead to n- six weeks from now i guess when it comes out um i'm surprisingly hyped <laughs> uh i guess in in the overall big picture um i thought the conference itself was insane uh, which I guess you can expect um, from like a, a Japanese conference. Um, the theatrics and everything were a little bit over the top, um, but in like a playful way. Mm-hmm. Um, the launch lineup is kind of weak. Uh, that's but being I, very kind. That's being <laughs> super kind. Um, but I'm like, I'm cautiously optimistic and I don't know why. I, I think that the hardware is actually something from everything that I've read, it's not a gimmick. Like the hardware is uh, substantial. Um, it works. It works as intended. Like we talked about that HD Rumble from what everybody says. Like yeah, no, that actually works. Mm-hmm. The controller feels good in your hands. The the tablet feels good in your hands. The Joy Cons, when attached to the tablet, feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Joy Cons themselves are fine. A little bit uh, maybe on the little bit of a the small ends. Um, I don't know, like, I'm, like, for some reason really excited about this, and I have not been really excited about a Nintendo console in a good long while, mm-hmm. um, maybe ever. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't owned a Nintendo console at launch in my entire life, and okay. I'm going to, I have two of these things pre-ordered for some reason. <laughs> um, I, the, the, the whole back and forth, uh, with you and me yeah. as the conference was ending and it was going up on for pre-order at places we're like rapidly texting each other back and forth about who got what um i'm excited to play the zelda game like i all things i've said about the game in the past still hold true for me like i'm not like jumping up and down that it's an open world but i think that what's there and that i saw looks really beautiful i think the graphics look really really nice Uh, i think watching video of it on the handheld from like you know off like ign had an off-screen view of it i still think it looks great um I'm excited to play this thing with Jorah. Like, I'm going to go get Mario Kart again because mm-hmm. Jorah liked watching me play it when he was younger. Um, but now he could actually play it. And so I'll pick up Mario Kart again. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the games right now or just, just the hardware. Just general impressions, I just, guess. Yeah, like, I, but for me, I'm, I'm like, opt- optimistic. I would have liked it to have come in at 250, um, 300. It's just, I feel like Nintendo, once again, coming in just a bit too expensive. 
with pretty much everything they're offering mm-hmm. is way too yeah. expensive. But the console, like, is it fairly priced at 300 Probably. But I would have liked to have seen them try and undercut the market a bit mm-hmm. at 250 But as far as, like, hardware stuff, like, I'm, like, I'm sold. I really want to know what Kelsey thinks. Because yeah. I know what Hugh thinks. <laughs> but I, Kelsey's our, you know, our resident Nintendo fanatic over here. And I haven't really heard anything from Kelsey about this. <laughs> um. First of all, you're complaining about the $300 price. Uh, here, it's $349.99. So with tax, it's about $450. Jeez. <laughs> Especially because Quebec um, QST and GST is about 15% extra that I have to pay. So that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'm, I'm super excited. Like, will I get it on release day? Maybe not if I didn't save up in time, I guess. But uh, I'm excited to try the online services that they're um, promoting. Um, the fact that we have to pay for it, I mean, it's reasonable. I mean, we do that for the PlayStation Network. So, I mean, that's okay. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to try it out. The controllers look super cute. It looks incredibly user-friendly. Um, which I expect from Nintendo normally, uh, they are user friendly. Um, I'm excited to play online. It looks easier than it did with the Wii U. I mean, I, I don't even, I never even played online with the Wii U. It was always someone came over and this looks more, um, simple to handle and simple to, to be able to create a party with your friends to play. So I'm excited for that. And yeah. Zelda, Zelda, her Z- eyebrows, you guys. <laughs> That's not so what cute. I thought you were going to go to there, but all right. <laughs> they are She's on so fleek. <laughs> oh, uh. boy. <laughs> uh, Hugh, uh, we've had several text message conversations since the announcement and the, and the release date stuff. How are you feeling my, today? I feel like your feelings go wildly back and forth every time I talk to you. My inner turmoil. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think my main my main issue has been, I think, with I don't know. It just seems a bit the pricing just seems a bit crazy, not just with the console, but other, with other things. Um, the accessories are out of control. Uh, yeah, I I mean, like the I I was speaking to Bobby earlier on. We were playing Overwatch together, and I was saying to him, I was I was looking for peripherals because I wanted to get. Um, a case for the for the handheld because so i thought to myself i, I want to get a case so i want to get a screen protector for it so that's not too bad it's 20 pounds which is reasonable to me and i was thinking right okay i'll i'll have a look at how much the pro controller was and i i knew i was kind of expecting it to be 50 60 pounds at a push which is kind of what you pay for a you know a, a dual shock you know when they like the new versions of dual shock as they bring them out so I was going scrolling through Amazon. I was like, "Oh, okay, there's a pro controller." Tapped on it, and I, I nearly had an aneurysm. It's ninety nine pounds ninety nine. <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck, that is insane!" For like a controller that isn't even intended for, you know, like um, like competitive gaming, like those ones that have, like the Xbox Elite controller or the ones that have recently come out for the PlayStation Four. I just think that is insane amounts of money, like for for a controller. Um, but 
negatives aside in terms of that i am like you justin I'm, i am cautiously optimistic i think with the with the wii i enjoyed it to to a certain extent but the novelty wore off pretty fast with that and i i didn't even bother with the wii u because it just looked like kind of carrying on what my issues were with with the wii by the time i just sort of discarded it um but with this i think they've i think it it almost looks like to me that they finally got a bit of a balance in that sort of um yes it does the handheld thing yes it does the home console side of it yes you can play the crazy warrior type um party games with the motion controllers and stuff like that and it looks like it's they've i i think they've finally kind of got their head around appealing to all corners of things you know they they appeal to the people who love the wii and the wii u mm-hmm. but now they're w- with the third pa- party support as well which okay on to start with is looking a bit thin on the ground like there's skyrim there's fifa there's a couple of other games but so far it's a bit um light on the ground but then the release schedule for it is fairly light anyway but they're promising there's more to come um but yeah i've I've pre-ordered it i've pre-ordered zelda i'm not going to get more than one game for it at the start purely due to the cost um i want to get Bomberman as well but i'll get that somewhere down the road but yeah i'm looking forward to it like um like you say justin i want to get um i want to get mario kart um i haven't played mario kart 8 and by all accounts it's absolutely brilliant and this looks like being you know an even better version of the game and from what i've heard it it looks better plays better it runs at like 1080p 60 frames a second um and just the thought of like playing that online with all you guys and you know having good fun with that just that really really appeals to me and zelda <laughs> god damn that. that game looks sexy as um yeah i cannot <laughs> wait to play that but yeah yeah i'm I'm excited for it. It's it's nice to actually like look at something from Nintendo and go, yes, give give it to me now. Although it's going to hit me in the pocket a bit harder than I expected, <laughs> but yeah, I just want to I want to get my hands on it and experience it and get involved now and play Zelda. Zelda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. for me, you know, I'm I'm very excited about the console. I pre-ordered one. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm gonna play Zelda on it, and I'm ready to love it. Um, and I love the idea of being able to move around with it so easily. And because um, you know, even with the Wii U, even in a small apartment, you couldn't really go very far with that tablet away from where the TV was without moving the console itself. That's very cool. Um, the only thing I was disappointed with was that the launch lineup being very thin doesn't surprise me. But I was hoping that because they've said for the last couple of years that one of the biggest mistakes they made with the Wii U was not having the games ready to go when the system came out. And now we're sort of right back there again with even less games launching with the system than launched with the Wii U. So uh, I guess in, in some ways I was disappointed it was such a Nintendo announcement because there wasn't other stuff there. And I, I don't care about like getting Assassin's Creed or... The, you know, whatever new Ubisoft game or whatever it is onto that thing, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but I was hoping for more, I guess, indie stuff to be talked about and more mm-hmm. stuff that is maybe like was just 3DS and then I was going to be on the Switch, stuff like that. 
some sort of fill out their lineup because that's the kind of stuff that I'd be interested in picking up and the stuff in a launch window that is something that I would definitely kind of grab onto much like when the PlayStation 4 launched and all there was to do was play you know those indie games I wonder if we're going to see Nintendo Directs like just start like happening more and more frequently and then we'll see some of that stuff there I hope so like they already have a Fire Emblem one coming up yes um, they do and, like I think that's the way for them to go plus I mean, we're talking about launch right now, but yeah. they could have a huge Nintendo Direct at E3 because, like, what it, if you look at their output, like the stuff they announced, like you have a list of things that are coming just this year. So why don't yeah. you go over that right now? So it's not a lot, but uh, at launch, we're getting Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is enough in itself to make me buy it. But um, One Two Switch, which is the game that Hugh was talking about, the mini game collection, which seems like their sort of it should be packed in. Attempt we sports. Well, they talked about why they didn't pack any games in, because oh. um, they wanted to keep the price at three hundred and not, not above. Um, uh, Bomberman R, I guess, is the is the Super Bomberman R is, is the game. Uh, Sk- uh, Skynuts. What the hell is uh, Skylanders? Um, Imaginators is coming out, and Just Dance will be out for uh, launch. So there's there's really there's five games at launch. Um, and then soon after, in March, there is uh, Snipper Clips, which is an indie puzzle game made by Nintendo, I think, or published by Nintendo, which looks pretty cool. Um, Has Been Heroes is also coming out in March, which seemed pretty neat. Uh, well, this logo is very, very low res. I can't read that says, but Mario Kart 8 is out in April. Got um, In the spring, we've got Arms, we've got Disgaea, we've got um, Poyo Poyo Tetris, Rhyme, then Splatoon 2 in the summer. Elder Scrolls in the autumn, um, Super Mario Odyssey in the autumn, which we haven't talked about yet. And then in 2017, there's supposed to be Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Ultra Street Fighter 2, Minecraft, FIFA, uh, Siberia 3, NBA 2K, um, Dragon Ball, Xenoverse, Steep, I Am Setsuna, and Sonic Mania are the games so far listed out for what's coming out uh, during the year. So um, there has to be more. There has to be. You would think. uh, Like, the Wii U's output for the last couple of years has not been really anything. So no. you figure most people were moving development to the Switch. Yeah. So like, this is like, again, cautiously optimistic that we're going to be getting Nintendo Directs will be starting back up and that we'll be getting a lot of announcements. Like, this thing should be an indie machine. Yeah. Like, this should be like the what the Vita should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I expect tons of indie ports on other consoles to come this way. And then I, if, I mean, Nintendo's talked about their Nindies. So I expect to see a lot of development there for that as well. Yeah. So, but overall the hardware impressed me. The price is a little bit uh, echo. The price is a little bit more than I wanted. Um, that pro controller is 70 <clears throat> bucks. Yeah. The, the accessories are very expensive. Um, you know, and they're like, at least most of them are like $10 more than you'd expect. Yeah. I think is kind of the number you're looking at there. Um, those are the kind of things where I expect, you know, I'll wait until there are some sale prices on Amazon and stuff like that to, to pick those kind of things up. But, uh, the hardware itself looks very cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in playing it. Um, that Zelda game coming out at launch and then that Super Mario game coming out in the fall is really enough for me because that Super Mario game looks bonkers, crazy, awesome. Uh, him running around with like real people. New Donk City. New Donk City. Um, running around with real people is is a pretty crazy thing, and it looks like there's new mechanics and new pickups and new, just new powers. And you, he uses his hat as a weapon and as a jumping platform. He's doing like his like wall jumps in between like skyscrapers. It's a pretty insane thing. I was watching their Treehouse event where they were talking about um, they had like Miyamoto on there, and um, he was saying that 
this is like a direct sequel in a way, um, gameplay-wise, to 64, then Sunshine, and now Odyssey. Mm. And that all the games since Sunshine, um, they felt that 64 and Sunshine were more for like the core gamer. More difficult, um, I got not more difficult gameplay, but just like not for a more quote-unquote casual audience. Um, he said all gamers. But all the games released since then have been for, they wanted to make it so anybody could play them. And like I don't know if they ever played four-person Mario 3D Worlds because that wasn't a like a casual or you know, like, all-gamer experience. Yeah. Um, but this one, I'm like encouraged that they're saying like, hey, they're, we're going back to like, a more core gamer experience for this Mario title. And so like that got me excited. And I'm also like weirdly interested in arms. Oh yeah. The, the fighting game, the fighting game, yeah. which like people are comparing to like, this could possibly be the next platoon mm-hmm. where they take like a, Hey, like Nintendo took like, let's see what we can do with, with a shooter. And they came up with a platoon, a platoon and it's like, let's see what we can do with a fighter. And so now they come out with arms and like, I'll probably pick those up. But for me, like, if they if I only ever play like the Nintendo like the big Nintendo games on this thing like that's like that's fine by me yeah like I'm buying it for the sole purpose of a we do this show <laughs> and I want to be informed on what's going on and be like I have a kid mm-hmm. who's like at the very start of like hey I want to play Mario Run mm-hmm. so he's playing Mario Run on my phone all the time so like this is my entry entryway for him so like whatever the price was I was going to pay it mm-hmm. um, but for me myself like I like I said cautious, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, and, and I, I, Hugh and I were talking via text, and I said to him, if you buy a Nintendo system, here's what your expectations need to be. You're probably going to get 10 or 15 really great games over five years, you know, um, and hopefully you get five or 10 more from other people that aren't Nintendo, but that's a bonus. So if you're not comfortable spending $300 for 10 or 15 great games, then just go into it realizing that you that you're probably gonna be disappointed with yeah. the system and yeah, even that's exactly what it is yeah and even for me like who i love the wii u and there are some great games on that system totally are but that game you know because you can i always thought like the wii u end up being like the gamecube like not a ton of games but there'll be a good amount of games that are awesome and obviously this is a great system even though it doesn't have a ton of games i feel like the wii u even though it had amazing games even fell short of that because i'd look back and i'm like there's probably five games that like that I would say. name them right now. It's like uh, Mario Maker, Mario 3D World, um, Splatoon, um, Pikmin. If you like, I love Pikmin. Pikmin was awesome, uh, and I'm not. I can't even think of another one at, at this moment. Um, Kelsey, help us out. <laughs> name another Wii U game. Uh... Mario Kart. A Mario, Mario Kart, Kart and Smash Mario Brothers. Kart. Smash Brothers. <laughs> there you go. There's so there's like. There's like five or six games there, and and you know, those are all great versions of those games and great games in their own right. But it was even lacking for Nintendo system because for a year and a half they basically had nothing. Um, so I'm hoping that at least with the switch to the output, if this is successful, then at least we'll get like. And I feel run. like it's going to be successful because it's not coming out at a time where like I think the Wii U came out at the wrong time. People <laughs> knew that PS4 and Xbox One weren't far away, mm-hmm. like. There's no newer consoles, I mean, except for maybe Scorpio or whatever. Like, it's coming out at the right time, and there's probably more public awareness about the Switch than there has ever been combined about the Wii U. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, So, I'm into it. I'm excited. Hopefully, um, the games are there, but I'm just really, really pumped to play Zelda. There's also one, like, tiny little thing I I just want to note. Yeah. Their marketing 
uh, team, that sounds that they make for oh, like, the, the like, the, like the switch sounds, like it sticks in your head. Like <laughs> I wait for that sound now, but like, if you think about it, like what's the Xbox 360 sound? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, with the PS4 boot up, like, you know what that's like, you yeah. know, those sounds at the end of like their commercials where yeah. like, the thing. <laughs> so like, yeah. So, but the thing is like the Wii U didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the Wii had that. Um, so it's nice, like, it's just, like, a, a smart little marketing thing that mm-hmm. that sound is already, like, embedded in my consciousness. Yeah, totally. Basically, a Pavlov's dog. <laughs> sure, Hugh. But, um, <laughs> I was surprised that it was Splatoon 2, and not, like, Splatoon Platinum Edition or whatever, like, they're doing with Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, I'm anxious to see how different it is. Uh, mostly, are they gonna have another campaign? A new campaign in it? Because uh, the campaign in the first one was really good, even though not really talked about, because obviously the multiplayer is the thing there. Uh, I was really expecting a Smash Brothers yeah, I'm Platinum s- Edition. Wondering to, where that is. It's got to be coming. It's got to be coming. It's going to mm-hmm. be the same thing as the Mario Kart thing. It's just going to be all the DLC, everything packed in, and then maybe a couple new characters. It, maybe a couple new characters until we tie it over until the next Smash Brothers. If there even is is another Smash Brothers. Well, there's. Oh, I think there's. As long as there's Nintendo consoles, there'll always be a Smash Brothers coming. Oh well, point. yeah, yeah. Um, so I was surprised about that, and then. You know, there has been a lot of rumors about Fire Emblem Fates coming to the Switch and also Pokemon Sun and Moon. So uh, I want to see if those things get announced at some point and actually make their way to the console. Um, like you said, we don't know how much the pay service is going to be. The first, I think, March, September, it's free. Uh, it's like a free trial period for everyone who gets the console in that time. You use a smartphone app to run party chats? Yeah, so the smart you do everything with like your friends and stuff. On your phone. Which is just Nintendo doing Nintendo. So it's like, they're like, oh, we want to do it so that no matter where you are, you can be talking to your friends. That's great. I love the idea of having the smartphone app, but you should also have it in the console. That doesn't really make sense to me. But again, whatever. Like, it's, we'll see how it works. I want to see how it works and how that functionality goes between the two things. Um, It would be nice if you could create all that stuff on your phone and but still be talking through a headset on your computer so you're not wearing like i'm not wearing like my headphones for my cell phone underneath my headphones for my like game console oh i see what you're saying you know yeah. what i mean so i, I can be, I can if be you talking have that type of setup yeah where you're playing without uh with headphones yeah, yeah exactly uh but still i'm i'm looking forward to it and there's one other thing uh about the online service mm-hmm. so we don't know the price but we do know that they'll be offering an nes or an SNES game. Every month. Every month. The SNES game will have, in, in some cases, they'll put it where they'll have like online capability. Yeah. Which is a neat thing, but they take it away at the end of the month. Yeah, you have to it's buy not, it. You'll have to buy it. It's not like uh, Xbox Live Gold or, mm-hmm. or PS Plus where it just stays in your library. Yeah. I don't think that's a good idea at no, all. I don't think it's a good idea either. No, it's a terrible idea. No, that's a terrible <laughs> um, idea. <laughs> um, we know what Nintendo's online service looks like without a paywall. Yeah. We already know what that looks like. <laughs> so my hope is that they only could go up from here. And maybe by the time the next Nintendo console rolls around, we'll have all this stuff integrated into the system. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Like, I don't use, I'm not going to use Nintendo for online services for yeah. the most part. Um, yeah. That's not where I'm going to be playing those type of games unless I really get into Splatoon. We'll see. Right. Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Dude, it's six weeks away. I know. It's crazy. Like, we'll be playing Zelda in six weeks. I know. It's nuts. And also. Horizon Zero Dawn. It's like, like we already talked three about or this. four days apart. Yeah. So March is Horizon. Well, technically February twenty eighth is Horizon. Okay. Um, 
Zelda and Mass Effect are like the big ones. And then on like a lower tier is Wildlands and Nier Automata. uh, Automata. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Those those big three are like... Resident Evil in a few days. Yeah, Resident Evil's out in a week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, it's still got you got lead up time till March. Yes, then. that game's gonna be eight hours long. But Horizon and Zelda, like four days apart, is like well, we already talked about who's gonna be playing what here. Yeah. <laughs> so we had our big debate uh, last week, and we, we we crowned our game of the year, uh, Overwatch, won our, our, our number one spot. Um, and of course, a lot of games get off that list that we're we love, and things don't make it. You know what I mean, and also games that we love certain things about, but don't love all of them about. We don't really get to talk about very much on those lists because it's just not how game of the year lists work. And um, a few years ago, we did categories. We haven't done categories in a couple of years. Uh, we might bring that back into a more like part of the main awards at, at maybe next year. But right now, we just want to talk about some of the stuff we loved during the year, um, whether it be. Uh, the best looking game, the music that we loved, whatever it might be. Um, Justin, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us out? Oh boy. All right. Um, I say we start with some of our favorite characters. Okay. Uh, for me, Ignis from final fantasy 15 is the winner for me out of that category. Um, out of that bro, uh, bromance that we had going on in that game, uh, I found Ignis to be the most pleasant, the most pleasant to listen to, not an asshole like Gladios, and not super annoying like Prompto, and not my version of young Luke Skywalker and Noctis. <laughs> uh, but Ignis for me, I thought was just like a really cool character. I was interested in his story beats um, as they move along through the game, and actually. It was his story that I wanted to come back to the most, uh, where I was actually thinking about it at work, like the following day. Like, I want to get home and see what's up with Ignis. Uh, so yeah, for, like for me, like Ignis is my character of the year. Ignis is a good one. Yeah. I, I liked Ignis a lot. I end up liking all of those guys by the end um, quite a bit, and I thought that there's some really cool stuff with Prompto and like his his story and who he is and where yeah. he comes from and stuff like that. I thought they did a really good job with that stuff. Um, and I always kind of liked Gladio because Gladio was sort of like the one who was just like, let's get this shit done. You know, that's why I liked him. He was so annoyed. It was just like, just leave Noctis alone. <laughs> God, like your constant berating him has now spurned Noctis to hate you and will kill you in your sleep. Plus 50 endurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true. Like sometimes he's just unnecessarily a dick and you're just like, why, why are you being like that? Hey, this terrible That's thing true. just happened. Snap out of it, you loser. Yeah. Become a king. It's like, okay, you're not my friend. Noctis had to step up, man. He did have to step up, but not like four seconds after like a big story beat happens. <laughs> and none of the others come up with a new recipe. <laughs> Snap my fingers. Yeah. I love that it's like, um, I saw some somebody talking about this where or, uh, he'll literally look at a recipe and then go, I came up with something. <laughs> Every time. Totally time. stole this from somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Ignis was a good one. And uh, when what happens to him happens to him. Yeah. Uh, it's a good moment in there. And uh, well, Be warned. If we're talking about story moments oh, yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. we're going to be getting into spoilers. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, Final Fantasy is going to get spoiled at some points. So be warned in advance. But I do love his uh, that power he gains at the end. Or that firebomb thing? The, the thing where he can, like, he, he shoots an elemental power and it lets you know, like, what they're weak to. Oh, yeah. I just I immediately switch back to... Uh, oh, what? To, to defend. Oh, my God. It's the best. Defend is so good because you can then call everybody back to you and then use your elements uh, without fear of your teammates getting in the way. 
And also, it helped heal a lot. Mm. Also, I'm not good at Final Fantasy. <laughs> and so, I was using that a ton. But you finished it. I finished it. It's awesome. You yeah. played your favorite chapter of the year, Chapter 13. That, chapter 13. It's on my best mission uh, list. <laughs> the best mission. Um, Somebody liked Resident Evil a whole lot <laughs> at that studio. It's not even like a good Resident Evil mission. No, it's terrible. For God's sakes. I just had to do that stupid block like ring power over and over and over again. Oh, God. That was such a bad mission. Um... And then a major character is dead without any explanation. It's just like, oh, he's dead now. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. Anyway, um, Kelsey, do you have any favorite characters from the year? Um, I have two, and they're both from Overwatch. Okay. Diva, my main bae. I love her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's the best. And Winston really won me over. First of all, <laughs> cute little baby Winston. Oh, my God adorable <laughs> and then winston creating the well re uh rehashing the overwatch and then the christmas comic oh you got and you right i love i love what overwatch did with um their characters backstories that was something i enjoyed and it made me appreciate and like the characters a lot more without a campaign when I was looking at this list earlier today, I was trying to think of who was going to put in what character so I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I thought about writing down Shane from Stardew Valley because I figured <laughs> I figured Kelsey had to had to talk about her favorite character. I almost said him. Swim. Is he still spurning your advances? No, no, no. He accepted my pizza, so mm. we're moving. Pizza places. is the way to every man's heart. <laughs> Uh, so for me, uh, Henry and Delilah from Firewatch. I course. think they have to be like they have to go together. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're both um, amazing characters. I mean, Henry's obviously the more fully formed of the two because you're following sort of his whole journey, and you're only getting Delilah from his perspective over, over the radio. But um, I was finishing up my personal top ten list and, and writing out my, my thoughts on Firewatch to just today, and I was thinking about what we talked about. Uh, you know during our game of the year and just thinking about it since then and how it's a game about a lot of things or it's a game about trying to run away from your problems and realizing there is no way to run away from them because wherever you go you're going to be there and and you're the main source of all of that stuff uh it's losing yourself it's finding yourself it's all these kind of things and it's finding um companionship in you know unexpected places and I think their their sort of relationship, however you decide to play it in the game, which you can play it one of two different ways. You can kind of be very, actually kind of three ways. You can be very standoffish. You can be just very chummy or you can be a little romantic, you know, with her th- throughout the time. And I feel like being able to play it that way and just forming this bond no matter how you do it is very interesting. And, and both characters are so flawed. They have, they have so many problems. They've done so many things wrong in, in their life, but they are still such real human beings that you, you get and find sympathy for them throughout it. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing I do really like about the, that game is that you can kind of almost play, um, Henry's side of it almost as if like, you're kind of imagining like what his idea of what Delilah could be is, if you get me, Mm -hmm. because like the, the place he is in his life. Yeah. Like you can kind of like approach how how you are towards her as if like you're thinking how Henry would be because of what's happened to him, and I th- I I think that's a really cool thing, and I don't think I've ever played a game where 
you can kind of approach um, how you use a character in that way, and I thought that was that was really really well done. And and for me, one of the things I love about the game, and and you know, responding to characters is, is usually the thing I like most about narratives is how those characters are portrayed, and if I care about them or hate them or whatever it might be, reacting to them in in a strong way. And I think one of the reasons why and we've talked about the ending a lot. The ending doesn't bother me is because the ending serves the characters the way that they need to be served. And I think that that's what's great about it. It's a very character-driven story, and they're two really great characters. With some of the best, it's got to be, if not the best, some of the best voice acting ever in a video game. It's very good. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, Kelsey, you have any favorite things you want to talk about? Um, mute, Kelsey. Well, You're on mute. Oh, Oh, sorry. Oh, she no, she was on mute. <laughs> I always forget because I mute my microphone and Skype. <laughs> so I always put the microphone louder and I forget that Skype's on. <laughs> um, oh, bless I think, you, Kelsey. <laughs> like, one of my favorite moments was definitely um, people bonding because of Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Um, I I think it did it did so much for for mobile gaming it did so much for community gaming it did so much for um, introducing Pokemon to and you know this is important to me to a whole (laughs) new generation of kids who you know they play some games on their parents iPhones or their siblings and uh, this was a game that you know, you could take them for for a walk and they'll be excited to, to catch a Pokemon in real life. I thought that was really uh, something that's going to be extremely memorable over the next couple of years. Even if the game dies, I just think what it did for mobile and community gaming was huge. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I know, I know for me, one of my favorite moments or sequences or whatever was... <laughs> something that Justin had some technical frustration with playing it just just very recently was the second to last boss fight in Final Fantasy 15. Oh god. <laughs> um fighting Ifrit in Final Fantasy 15. Uh it's a great boss fight. Yeah, it it it's very difficult and it uses all of the things that you've learned throughout the game in one boss fight. You have to really manage the fight. You have to be using your potions and using your items in a very judicious way. You have to be smart about how you're attacking and when you're attacking and when what your what you know what of your your friends sort of special abilities you're using and when. Um, and it ends with like four awesome, <laughs> like unbelievable summons you have to do or whatever three. I think maybe three summons you have to do to end the boss fight. And it's just so huge in scale and also so great in a technical level that it just blew me away. Um, Justin was texting me. He was like, I can't summon. It's telling me to summon, but there's no button prompt. Yeah. So yeah, I got up to the point where he has no health left mm-hmm. and you're, um, I forget the DD you're summoning. It's the frost lady. Shiva. Yes. Yeah. And she had done her whole speech thing, but the summon prompt never came up. So for the next 20 minutes, I was just like, maybe if I walk around, I'll find it. Or just like, mm-hmm. if I keep wailing at him, it'll eventually go. And then I realized like, no, like I just have to restart this and do the whole boss fight again. Oh my God. It was a cool boss fight. Though. Yeah. It's a great boss fight. <laughs> Hugh, do you have a favorite moment or sequence? Man. Um, I think 
one of the big things that stuck with me this year was um, the VR mission that was released for um, Star Wars Battlefront. Um, wait, you, you wait a second. You like Star Wars? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I, I, I dabble. Um, yeah, just the feeling of just like getting in, like feeling like you're in the cockpit of an X-wing. Um, being able to look around and you can just like you look down and your hands are on like the control stick of the X-wing and you can see your feet in the footwell and you can look over at the wings. And, um, you know, it's, it starts off and you just it's just sort of like showing you the ropes and you're just flying around shooting a few asteroids and stuff. And it's just like back and forth over the radio between the pilots. And um, it's kind of done as um, a bit of a precursor to um, Rogue One. I th- It kind of gives you the impression, although it doesn't ever name her, that um, K2SO is transporting um, Jin because um, they keep referring to this like high importance girl that he's got on his ship so you're supposed to be escorting them so you go into hyperspace and the feeling of going into hyperspace is with a vr headset on is insane um and you drop out of hyperspace and you're above this planet and then everybody just starts going nuts over the over the comms and you you just hear this like massive boom and then you look up and there's just a star destroyer that's just dropped out of hyperspace above you and i was just like oh my god and then you just see like tie fighters just piling out of the the star destroyer and i was just like this is the best thing ever and then you've just got like this really cool like 10 15 minute sequence where you're you're in a dog fight and you're um like shooting the turbo lasers on the star destroyer and stuff like that and it was just so damn exciting for like a massive star wars fan like me to be able to like be so just engrossed and involved in that experience um of just like piloting an x-wing and stuff like that like i i i just really really hope that they do more like that i would love like a rogue squadron game in vr um oh i'm sure i'm sure it's coming oh i I would i would never that's my headset would never leave my head if (laughs) if that happened um but yeah it was just like in terms of just like sheer exhilaration and excitement from from a let from a game and it's only like a a 20 minute you know it's you you can't even call it a tech demo really um but it's just it was just so damn cool and i i just took my headset after afterwards and just picked my phone up and just text mara right away and i was just like i just played the vr star wars mission and it's so freaking cool <laughs> and then just like spoke at her for about an hour about it and she was like yeah that that's great i didn't really play many video games and i was just like yeah star wars vr <laughs> so yeah i i absolutely friggin loved it it was it's amazing Everybody should try it. Spot on Mara impression here. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. That was quite accurate. <laughs> I'm a good mimic. <laughs> oh, Justin, what about you? Uh, I, I wrote down like five or six for all of these. Okay. I have um, a couple. So like I, there's everyone knows some of my favorite ones throughout the year. I talked about it. The Some of the, the things I've seen in Dishonored mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. On some of the scenes in Uncharted. But some other like smaller ones I, I thought were really affecting uh, as far as just like moments. 
Um, I don't know if I would have played all of Final Fantasy if it wasn't for the opening sequence where you see yourself fighting Ifrit mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. And the guys are much older. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing that actually got me through some of like the hard part, like the, the not hard parts, but the um, more difficult to stomach parts of yeah. that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was a super affecting, cool moment. Like you're seeing yourself much older fighting this like giant mm-hmm. demon like that's cool yeah. and like i want to know how we get there and that worked for me cool. um i thought the lady arkham reveal at, at the end of episode three in um telltale's batman series was yes. a really cool moment it's a cool moment yeah um well i one i legitimately didn't see coming yeah um and a couple of things from the division actually um going into the dark zone and getting a high piece, like uh, like a high loot item, and then getting to the extraction point and waiting that minute for the extraction to come, and like seeing oh, man, other that, that is so tense. Seeing other players come, and like especially in the first couple of weeks of the division, seeing other players come and be like, "Are we gonna have to throw down with these guys? Like, what's going? Like, they have gear too, but like, are, are they just waiting to extract? Or are we gonna have a battle here?" And that like just gripping back and forth for like can you see him do you see him like he's moving do you have him in your sights yeah i have him in my sights like that was a really cool moment and also beating any stage on their challenge mode uh was super hard um the new raid in destiny wrath of the machines was an excellent raid um visually really striking um dropping the older systems allowed them to do more visually uh it's one of my favorite, like I think it's like my second favorite raid in Destiny, um, is super good. So like those are like some standouts for me. Cool. Um, a couple more for me. Uh, that moment where you're in the no man's land in Battlefield One when you're going between the two fronts, yeah, uh, is insane to look at. At just my nose got really stuffed all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> awesome and affecting and harrowing as yes. well. It's crazy. Um, uh-huh. Uh. The, the first moment you throw something in Hitman, it's definitely like an amazing moment. Anything two-handed that you throw. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, jumping out of the, the... The first time you do one of those sequences in uh, Abzu where you're kind of going down the, the kind of water tunnels and you come out into the open and then you jump up of the water and whatever sea animal you're with jumps with you. Just an amazing moment for me there as well. Um, and I mean, I talked about this a little bit last time too, but the, the first time you find... A, environmental puzzle in the witness is a, like an all-time moment yeah it's like it's an amazing 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 moment yeah those are some of them for me um let's talk about uh let's talk about music i for me it's firewatch it's probably my, my favorite of, of the year not the not the showiest of soundtracks but i think perfect for the game in which it inhabits um we actually have it on vinyl and and it's a really good soundtrack to listen to it's mostly very soothing except for one or two tracks which are extremely intense because they're, they're like the paranoia sections of the game um but i love how it complements that game so much and um abzu as well i think abzu's music by austin winteroy who did the music for journey is just stunning and emotional and and caused the most i think feelings for me of any soundtrack of the year um so those are those are two of them for me uh he what about you any standout music for you um yeah i think there's there's some 
really, really stand out like soundtracks this year. I, I, funny enough, I was thinking about this earlier on, and I was thinking to myself, it, like, a lot of my favorite music in a game this year is in Overwatch, and uh, I just love like that that overture, like the the title screen music, and you know when when you get into the end of a, a round and there's like the seconds are ticking down, and it's just like dun 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 dun, 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 dun. you're just like yes yes come on come on come on come on, um and I just like that just sticks in my head like I I walk around whistling that all the time. <laughs> Um, but I was kind of thinking to myself, sort of during the matches, you kind of don't really notice the music all that much. I guess it's pretty, you know, it might partly be down to the fact that you're concentrating so much on what's going on. Um, well, there isn't really much music while the match is happening. There is. Yeah. There is? Yeah. It just, there, it's there very is, low key. It's very low key. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the sound, there's a whole soundtrack that's like an hour and a half long that, like, I've, walk home from work listening to it quite often <laughs> and it is, it is really cool um the start of competitive honestly, the start of a competitive round has mm. the best music in the game <laughs> yeah um but i think the one the one soundtrack that really really like compliment complimented the game and just sort of like gets you or got me in the mood and like more into the spirit of the game that i'm playing was probably dooms yeah. Just like that, like raucous, just crazy, just guitar music. Um, that, like, it just, I, I guess it just gives you that, like, extra rush. Because it, you know, it is that crazy game, where, like you were saying on the um, Game of the Year thing, where it's, it does that really clever thing where it just, it pushes you to, like, get involved and, you know, get in the enemies' faces mm-hmm. and just you know, go nuts type thing. And I think in terms of like a soundtrack that just um, evokes the spirit of the the game and, and and also like possibly even like makes you play the game they, the way they want, want to play it. I think Doom is is probably the best I've played this year. And, um, and also just a like a quick measure for the, the music in Battlefield 1 as well is just like just some of the most like beautiful orchestral music you'll ever ever hear in a game like some of that is like stunning and given the subject matter of the game as well there's times when it it, it really works really really well sorry, um, sorry that was some yeah. doom music sorry it's <laughs> just like kill 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 fuck everything up yeah the name of that track is rip and tear so yeah, it's yeah, that intense. basically summed it up, and <laughs> and the game itself. Um, but yeah, I think like like I said, Overwatch, some really cool music, but I, I don't think they sell it enough in the game. Doom just like raucous and just gets you going, and like Battlefield in terms of like being, you know, a a companion to like the tone and tenure of that game are all like really really good bits of music. Cool, Kelsey. Any favorite music? Um, well, I already spoke about Stardew Valley's music mm-hmm. last time, but I just want to continue on what you said about Firewatch because I would also argue that that was probably the best music of the year for me as well. Um, it made me think that Firewatch was a scarier game than it was. <laughs> um, they wanted you to think that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So every time the music would like slow down or like, 
get more quiet, I would be scared. Or when, you know, there's a specific um, scene in a cave and I pretty much knew what was happening because of the music. And I was so, so scared. So scared. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then Stardew Valley, um, just the calming uh, nature of it. I mean, just just brings you on the farm. It makes you feel like you're really working towards something positive uh, within the game. Absolutely. Uh, Justin? Let's see what I can name uh, name here that Hugh didn't already say. <laughs> um, Uncharted 4 has terrific music. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fan- fantastic music. That Jeep sequence is my favorite part of the game where it's just there's no dialogue, there's no sound effects. It's just this beautiful piece mm-hmm. uh, playing. Uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided mm-hmm. has some oh, yeah. sneaky good music. It has that great... Mm. I love that kind of music, too. It's yeah. like that synthy like a yeah um, yeah it's got like that kind of vangelis type yeah feel absolutely like when you go into the, uh, yeah. the police station tf29 it has its own soundtrack and like i would go there and just like sit there and let it play in the background uh, <laughs> I, I listen to that all the time um a sneaky good one uh that we have not mentioned at all during any of these deliberations is um unravel hmm. unravel has some really beautiful music uh by didn't get to play all of Unravel, but I listened to the entire soundtrack because uh, <laughs> the first the first song I heard in that game or first piece I heard in that game completely sold me on it, and it has some really really beautiful music. So I I, I know a lot of people haven't checked out Unravel, but like just go listen to the OST; it's really good. Yeah, I didn't that one didn't cross my mind, but you're right. Yeah, there's some really good music in that game. Cool. Um, I didn't really play much of Hyperlight Drifter. But I've listened to the entire soundtrack a few times, and it's got oh my God. really great music. Oh, another one. Sorry, Fury. 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 Yeah. Both you knew. Great. You knew. I knew. <laughs> I've downloaded that soundtrack and is now I've listened to it for like a week straight. <laughs> uh, but Hyperlight Drifter is a disaster piece. The guy who did Fez and the, and he did um, It Follows. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, really good. Great music there. Um. All right, Justin. What should we do next? What do you want to talk about? Um. I don't know if it like you could put the two of them together. Like, but best mission, best level. Okay. Um. I talked at, at length about a bunch of them. Yeah. Um. But a couple other standouts for me. Um. Obviously, the home scene in Uncharted, uh, the epilogue in Uncharted. I have to talk about Dishonored. Um. We talked about a cause of effect in Titanfall, but mm. I think another really good level is is near the end of the game. I think it's the last mission of the game. Um. Where BT is in some serious trouble, and you uh, you get the smart pistol, and you're just wall running and eliminating everything. Oh, that's my favorite part of the game. Yeah, for um, sure. I think that like is cool. <laughs> we didn't talk. Uh, I didn't get to mention in characters, but like BT is an amazing character. <laughs> um, and I think like a very subtle thing that you don't notice until somebody brings it up to you um, is the way that you start as pilot in that game. BT refers to you as pilot, and at the very end of the game, he calls you Jack. Mm. Um, and so the last like two times he mentions you by name first it's Cooper mm-hmm. and then it's Jack and that happens in the last chapter and I thought that was like just a super nice way of showing like your character development throughout the whole course mm-hmm. of this like six hour seven hour campaign of like this giant robot and you building a relationship together as now he refers to you by your first name yeah um, and it was really cool but that smart pistol scene is just like freaking amazing that smart pistol thing is probably my favorite thing because you feel like such a badass yeah um, just wall running and headshotting over and over and over again. Amazing. Um, and chapter 13 in Final Fantasy. Yeah, chapter 13 in Final Fantasy for sure. I really wanted to like that so I could be the contrarian <laughs> and I was 
going and I was like, God damn it, it's impossible. right. It's impossible to like it. I know. It's impossible. It's so bad. Yeah, there's no way you could be convincing <laughs> oh, in that uh, lie. I have one more. I'm sorry. Um, I think Gollum City from oh, yeah. Mankind Divided is an amazing level uh-huh. um, because you're in these hub areas for the most part, but your first real excursion outside of the hub areas into like an actual level is you're going to this place called Gollum City where um, the... Uh, I forget. It's like a. It's like a. I'm trying to think. Of what, what is the term that they use? A derogatory term they use. Clanks. Yeah. So the people who have these um, augs, uh, augmentations yeah. on their body, they're not well off. Like they they need this drug to help them survive, uh, to to continue to be able to function. And they're like, the, Gollum City is like what I would equate to in District Nine. If you saw District Nine, mm-hmm. like the slums, it's the slums, yeah, that the aliens live in. Mm-hmm. And so it's this just like completely overrun beat down city uh with these shacks and everything but the parts about it that, that really stood out to me was the fact that the way they use lighting um like they'd have lights coming down like these really thin lights that like if you move slightly like the the like you won't be able to see the full image but if you're standing in the right spot like an image will come up and so like they were saying like restaurant or food or whatever and it's just this like dilapidated area that you go and visit and you like you know, if you're following along and, and like caring about the story, you're like, this is what's happening to these people. Like, yeah. and it may, it, like it wants to like hook you in and grab you, mm-hmm. and like it did for me. But like visually, it was very striking. Yeah, and it's a, just a cool mission to go through. Yeah, I I, I liked the um the bank uh, Palisades in the Palisades Bank in in Mankind Divided as well. It was a it's funny because you can go there two totally separate times, and I only went there once because you have a big choice near the end of the game where you choose to go back there or you can do something else. But I went in for another mission and I broke in and it really felt like I was doing a multi-layered heist where I couldn't be caught. And it was very, very cool. Um, A lot of times we've talked about the epilogue and Uncharted is amazing. Um, And uh, yeah, and then Titanfall stuff. So I think that's good for me. Mission 14 of Final Fantasy 15, I think is amazing. Uh, Yes. Which is crazy for how bad 13 is. 14 is... Is that the one with the subways? And well, yeah, it's that whole like last, like thing up before before you get to the final, the final final boss. Yeah, I I got frustrated that because Hugh, because you didn't look at the sign that said pointed go this way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's yeah, what it starts I, I... with you. Like it starts with the time jump, and then and then ends after you fight Ifrit. Um, it's amazing, um, yeah, amazing chapter. That really game. cool. Yeah. Um, Kelsey, any favorite moments? Uh, sorry, any favorite levels or or missions or anything? Uh, yeah, I have two. Um, the episode of uh, Batman when you're in the Arkham and you wake up in the Arkham, mm. I really uh, fangirled over it. <laughs> I loved it. I love that um, it's not just the Joker you meet in Arkham. You also meet um, uh, what's his name, Zaza. Mr. Zaz. Yes. (laughs) You meet um, the ventriloquist, uh, just like a bunch of other characters that they don't tell you full out that it's them. I just found that um, a nice nod to comic readers. And um, also in That Dragon Cancer, um, because the game, what it is, is it... uh, it's different time periods mm-hmm. within their life. And um, the scene where the doctors tell you, but the parents, 
that um, the child has cancer and the water starts uh, building up in the room and you start to like float away. Oh, the one oh, where you're like, geez. you're switching in between the different people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was really, see. Um, really emotional, really like evoking um, sadness for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I could see why they would use that instantly. Yeah. Like I feel like probably for that yeah. feeling of just being like, I'm floating away from this. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. A lot of the whole like second half of that game has a big water theme to it. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hugh, what about you? Um, I think one uh, thing just stuck with me, like since I played it, um, I don't know if you can really even call it a level. Is like this that opening section in Battlefield One where it just comes up on the screen saying like the following section, you know, the characters you're playing at aren't going to survive, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and you just start in these battle scenes and you just you know you're playing and you're trying to survive for as long as you can. The character you're playing as gets killed and then his name comes up on the screen and you know how you know the year he's born and the year he died and then it just goes on to the next person and it just keeps going and going and like every person who you play as is just increasingly sort of like in a worse situation with just like even more insurmountable odds and it's just really like in terms of like a game based around like a factual event that kind of makes you stop and think and go yeah i mean like in terms of just like how people must must almost just have been sort of not so much even died just like discarded they were just like they were just a, more or less just like a number and just how you know when they were they get killed and they're forgotten and it's just a, just another person just has the same fate and just to sort of like start the game like that and um to show that they, there was such a sort of like effort with respectfully handling the subject matter of the game I just like I got to the end of it and I was just, I had to sort of like take sort of 10 15 minutes away before i even actually like started playing the campaign then because it just it just really got me just like how disposable the people you were playing as were and i I thought that was really really cleverly done and quite a like unique way to open a game yeah absolutely absolutely that's a good one um so uh for me uh i'm talking about quickly about best stories um i mean we talked a lot about story in our game of the year discussions just going through and ranking stuff, but for me, it's Firewatch and it's Uncharted. Those are the two that really, I think, stand out to me above everything yeah. else. Um, other games, I stories I liked in games, but those are the two that definitely, when I think about story, are the ones that stood out. Justin, what about you? Uncharted is one. Um, I like it's story is like a hard one to like nail down. Like they're um, the ones that are really, really good are the ones that are really going to rise to the top. And we're all, I think that we're all going to say like a lot of the same ones. Yeah. Um, so like Uncharted, Firewatch. Uh, what else did I write down? I like I really enjoyed Oxen Free Story, mm-hmm. like and I, I enjoyed like Mankind's divide, uh, Mankind divided, mm-hmm. uh, Deus Ex Mine, uh, Mankind divided story for what it was. Yeah, it's not on the same level as those other ones. Um, most of the games I played this year aren't, and yeah. so that's why those ones really stand out. Like 
I think Final Fantasy had like an interesting story, but mm-hmm. not a great one. So it's like yeah. for me, it's like the ones that rise to the top are like it's like hard to compare anything else to those. Yeah, I agree. Kelsey, uh, Firewatch, um, Oxenfree as well, Hyperlight Drifter, That Dragon, Cancer. Um, that's all I can think of right now. All right, Hugh. Any stories stand out to you? Um. Everything I was going to be mentioned has been mentioned. I mean, Firewatch is the, I think, the the big standout for me for the year. Um, just that, um, just the whole thing of just, like, that exploration of just, like, this is a dude who's in a certain place in his life. He's looking for something, and as with a a lot of people who have been through traumatic events start seeing things that you know may or may not be there just to sort of convince themselves that they they're getting what it is they're seeking and I thought that was that was you know really well done um and not sort of like overly like it's not thrown in your face it's quite quite subtly done it's it doesn't become apparent that that's what it is until until the end um and yeah the uncharted 4 is brilliant like the the whole sort of character arcs between nathan and elena and nathan and his brother are just so well handled and like especially like i I think between nathan and elena the story arc between those two was was really really well done like especially especially with elena sort of like when she shows up and um after sort of Nathan goes off on his adventure and he's try- he's lying to her all the time, saying where she is, and she just shows up. And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to just basically make sure my husband doesn't die and then when I get you home, I'm going to give you hell. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was a really, like, refreshing sort of, like, way to handle a husband and wife relationship in a game. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's, a, you know, as with everybody else, those two are the big standouts for me this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, finally, just to talk about best looking stuff. I- I'm sure we'll someone will talk about the technical powerhouse games, but for me, the three that I think about when they stand out are Firewatch, Inside, and Abzu. Those are the three that, when I think of the games I liked looking at the most this year, it was those those three. Um, but I'm usually more of a art style guy than a than a tech guy anyway. I mean, I can appreciate how amazing like uncharted looks and stuff like that. But, um, I, I get more impressed by the, the more, uh, artistic bent stuff. Um, Justin, what about you? I could go along with all the, all three of those. Um, I could also end on rat unravel is gorgeous looking. Um, the witness is gorgeous. Yes. Um, I thought call of duty on the technical side was a really, really beautiful game. Um, battlefield one, obviously. Yeah. Um, Ratchet and Clank. There's some like there were some absolutely standout looking games this year. I didn't play it, but Bounds. Mm-hmm. I watched Bounds. Yeah, Bounds is a great looking game. Is a wild looking video game. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean those for me. All right, uh, Kelsey. What about you? Um, I would say Firewatch definitely. Uh, Oxenfree. I loved the way that game looked. Oxenfree is awesome looking. Yeah, it was really. Um, unique and i love the palette that it was and just 
funnily enough, uh, in contrast to that Hyperlight Drifter and how intense the colors were and the art. Um, Unravel was gorgeous. Overwatch, the colors, lo I just loved it. I think it was a good year for um, colorful and artsy games for, for me personally anyways. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. It was. I mean, and it, it was it was a good year for those kind of games across all sort of indie and AAA. Like yeah. Watch Dogs 2 was a very colorful, vibrant game. It's a great looking game. You know, um, mm -hmm. it, it seems like at least we've we've kind of gone and gotten away from everything is brown, which we were at for a while with all kind of like the big games and sort of it's diversified mm -hmm. a little bit into being, yeah, there's still some games that are brown and look great but there are also games that are very colorful and, and I, I like that a lot Hugh what about you um yeah I think same as everybody else the I think Doom in terms of like design of um like enemies and stuff like that some of the like creatures in that are just crazy um like Justin said Battlefield 1 um some of the like landscapes and stuff like that and the textures in the in that game are just crazy um like to just sit and look at a game and go this grass looks great <laughs> is um you know something really unique um and yeah i i i love that like i think i think in terms of my favorite looking games, I think, um, Firewatch and The Witness are probably my two favorite because I think they've kind of got like very similar looks to them, and I just live that sort of like rich, like colorful, stylistic um, graphics on them, and I those two just like really, really worked well, especially in um, Firewatch, like with the with the setting of that game, and you know the when when you get to the sort of like sunset scenes and stuff like that, um, like the one section where you're at the lake and there's those two girls, um, like skinny dipping or whatever in the lake and just like the lighting effects and stuff like that in, in that game were, were really cool. Um, so yeah, pretty much the same as everybody else, to be honest, there's some damn fine looking games in 2016. Yeah. The Firewatch. One of the things, great things about that game is that because Ali Moss, who is a designer and like a, a, a graphic designer, uh, by trade, um, and, a, and a, you know one of the best out there. There's a sort of fidelity to the design all throughout Firewatch, including its typography and its logos and all that kind of stuff that just works so well there. And one thing about the witnesses is very interesting because um, I saw an interview when they were talking to Jonathan Blow about and when they were designing the game. And because there are those environmental puzzles, right, where they were, and and they look the same as a puzzle in one of the panels, where they have the same starting circle and the same ending shape they had to design the game so that they didn't use either one of those shapes anywhere in the game that was not a puzzle, an uncompatible puzzle. They couldn't have just like a circle somewhere, something to just be a normal circle if it didn't connect to something else. That's a good point. Because it would, they knew it would drive people crazy and they couldn't, they couldn't expect people to go and solve those environmental puzzles if they weren't exact with their design. So it's an interesting thing. Uh, one more for me. Mm. And I mentioned it just before was, uh, um, Destiny's Rise of Iron mm. expansion. Um, like I said, them dropping the previous consoles allowed them to do more graphically than they were able to do in yeah. like 
the last mission of that expansion takes you somewhere where there's just some wild looking stuff mm-hmm. and like the especially the latter parts of that raid the armor designs the the, the weapon designs like destiny is like really good at designing things mm-hmm. uh visually but like the armor sets and the, the weapon designs and like the latter parts of that raid that last mission the new area that you go to they're all like different uh but they all still have like a cohesive feel in some way it's like they're really good at designing things and it was like very very striking like it it makes me super excited for what destiny will be able to do with the sequel cool um all right i think that's it for kind of our our categories but we have a lot of um listeners wrote in with some of their like favorite games of the year it is up on twitter at talking underscore games yeah and we got a good amount of people who responded to us so thanks you want to run down some of those justin um i'm just gonna be going by first names because i'm terrible at reading twitter handles (laughs) sorry uh jeff friend of the show um listed and then we just asked for what were the like the best five games you played last mm-hmm. year or uh, however many you did it didn't have to come out in 2016 uh gone home on console rise of the tomb Ra- uh, raider which i just started uh far cry primal uncharted 4 and forza horizon 3 nice um our good friend lauren wrote san diego comic-con in general <laughs> new york comic-con ticketing does words with friends count super mario brothers and donkey kong Thank you, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. Matt, Overwatch, Doom, um, World of Warcraft Legion, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and Skyrim Remastered. Uh, some guy named Steve, <laughs> R. Say, Res Infinite, The Witness, Hitman, Doom, and then Overwatch. Um, Luciano, Watch Dogs 2, Dark Souls 3, Overwatch, Gears 4, and Uncharted 4. Daniel, Paper Mario, Color Splash. He was like he was Nintendo heavy, so I was, I was <laughs> glad to read this. Paper Mario, Color Splash, Animal Crossing, New Leaf, um, Welcome Amiibo, Dragon Quest Seven, Fire Emblem Fates, and Lego Dimensions. I keep looking at Lego Dimensions, and I'm just like, don't it's not, it. it's don't not time it. yet. No, don't do that. I'm, well, I'll wait till I'll wait till it goes on sale, like a big sale. It's Jorah's not big enough for it. But if you buy Lego Dimensions, you have to buy like a thousand dollars in toys. Yeah, no. <laughs> Our friend Sam. Gizmodo. Yes. Uh, number one for her was Overwatch, and a tie between... I'm so surprised. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> a tie between Doom and Titanfall 2. Nice. Joy's first-person shooters. I played a lot of Overwatch with Sam in the last couple of weeks. She's good. Yeah, she is. Sam's Co- great. Yeah. Cody, stop yelling at everybody. <laughs> That'll never happen. Never. <laughs> we love Cody anyway. Yeah. He's an angry man. <laughs> only, in, over, only in Overwatch, though. In other games, he's... He doesn't he's, like losing at Overwatch. No, he's not quite a, common in other games. Um, do uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tanner, um, who says here Doom, Titanfall 2, Uncharted 4, and Hyperlight Drifter. It's a good list. Henrik, um, here at Lorecraft Go, which is, which is fine, mm-hmm. um, came out 2015, but totally fine. Firewatch, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, thank you, Dishonor 2, and Overwatch, and finally, Bill who uh, said only three because of a uh, due to a huge backlog. He wrote down Doom, Telltale's Batman, and Gears 4. Nice. Some good lists. Good lists. Um, I want to say we got an email about PC video cards from Samuel Moon. Uh, we won't answer it this week. We'll answer it next time for sure because um, it's a whole discussion to have about, about that stuff. Um, but thank you to everybody who wrote in on, on Twitter. Um, that's awesome. Uh, keep your questions coming in and your comments coming in at talking underscore games um and because we want to answer questions every week and, and talk and do your feedback every week so make sure you keep sending those in um, i don't think that the questions have to be about something 
recent. No. Like a recent game. Not at all. It could be about anything. Yeah, it doesn't need to be about games, for, for, really. It could be about anything. So just ask a question if, if you'd like to ask a question. Um, if you ask for advice on something other than games, just know that... I'm probably going to give bad advice. Disclaimer. <laughs> we are not professionals. Um, There's no such thing as bad advice. That's very not true. In fact, I would say most <laughs> advice is probably bad advice. <laughs> um... Uh, you can also email us, games at talkingcopbooks.com. And a lot of people have been emailing in there, which is great. Um, you can get a little longer form there, a little more detail there. Um, and just know, w- whether we read feedback on the show or we don't, we read everything. So we really, really appreciate all of your comments and everything. It's, it's really great. Um, if you're so inclined, head over to patreon.com slash talkingcomics and support us. You can, even as though it's a dollar a month, get you rewards. Um, and it's... Very, very appreciated. You could join our Discord chat. Yes. Where there are as many discussions going on at all <laughs> times of day. My phone vibrates constantly. It's true. It's true. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in the Discord chat. Um, and that's about games, it's about comics, it's gonna be about movies, it's gonna be about anything. So just um and uh there's a video on our YouTube on how to link your Discord account to your your Patreon account. Um but it's awesome and, and we're gonna be doing a lot of stuff where Tentatively going to be doing a Pints and Pixels this coming weekend. I'm not. We're, we're working on the, the details, but uh, it'll happen. I just don't know what time it'll happen yet. Yeah, we're working on the time. Work on the time. Um, yeah, and so uh, that's it for the show, though. You can follow us personally. I'm at Bobby Shortle. Justin. Jeroak, J-O-R-O-A-K. Kelsey. Kel Samus, K-E-L-S-S-A-M-U-S. And Hugh. I am at H underscore Paz. Yeah, so next week I'm not we're we're now in an interesting time because like Justin said we have in about six weeks we have a ton of games to talk about. Uh right now it's more of a backlog situation and we got Resident Evil coming out, so we'll have some of that to talk about as well. But um if you if you got something you want us to talk about, send us a, a tweet or send us an email and let us know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll cover it. Um it'd be great because we're definitely gonna be in a time where it's not gonna be like it's been the last couple months where we've been like, Oh, we're we're each playing eleven games at a time. It's gonna be a little bit more spread out. So, see return of topics and possibly a game club coming up sometime in 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 the future. I have a big backlog. I'm still working. Through. I know. I know. I know you do. You're playing Tomb Raider right now. Right now, yeah. Hey, it's good. It's great a great game. It's a great game. It's a really great game. Uh, but that's gonna do it for the Talking Games podcast for this week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Bobby. And thank you to all of you who are listening. Until next time. Be good to one another.